0: Who is Jesus? Not only who is he, but that he's our master. And we don't like to think of that today in our culture and how we are put together. We don't want masters. We don't like masters. We don't like people telling us what to do. Uh, and so that is even cultural to us today. And so we want to bring you to a place where you can put your commitment in, your faith in, your bedrock trust and belief, who Jesus is and that you'd have a personal faith in him not just a family faith not just a church faith but a faith that goes beyond just this is where I go what I do on Sunday but it it permeates you right to the very source that, of who you are i used to have uh, i used to have pigs ireland and and pigs, I don't know if you've ever been around ever been around pigs very much. If you were, you would know because the smell goes with you. If you go to the pig barn and you come back to the house, you could even wash and soap and water and and there is something it used to be people in our church when I was about your age growing up and they were pig farmers and I would sit with the boys on Sunday morning, and you could still smell the pigs. I mean, it was, it was permeant. Jesus, who Jesus is, the desire is would permeate your life, that people would know that you have been with him, around him, that you have been changed by him. And so when we talk about committing to the master, making him the master, the ruler of your life, Oh, it was Nathan, you had some song. I'd never heard that song. Like, Jesus said it, I believe it. And what's the end of that? That settles it for, that settles it for me. Really, that kind of mindset, if God says it, I'm not questioning this. I'm going to run with this, and I'm going to follow him. So, understanding who Jesus is, commitment, master, to understand what this, where this church is at, where this church is coming from, and and, and how to maintain your commitment to him through the church. You were never meant, created to do this on your own. I love the new, uh, there's a new series on uh, YouTube called The Chosen. And you've got Nicodemus who's trying to do it on his own in that story as, as they take the scriptures and put that together. And so our desire is that you, you, you were never made to go it alone. You were never made to do it without encouragement. You were never made to do it without community. You were never made to be a follower of Jesus in total isolation. And so many people do that. The number of people who have dropped away, even one of my, my Bible college professors who, I love the man dearly, but has not been in a church. They worship at home, just him and his wife, for about the last 15 years. Hurt in the church. Don't want to go back to the church. Want nothing to do with the church. But have missed the whole point that you and I need each other. Carrie, I get infuriated with you some days, but I need you. You are important to my life. You are you are a, a guiding star in my heart. I take joy and encouragement from you. You are a blessing to me. And to do life without you would seem awful bland, and I know I would be poorer for it than I am with you. Do you get that? Do you understand that about one another? Like some of God's kids are hard to love. They are. I, I can be one of them. I can be... Man, Nathan and I were at a restaurant the other morning, and this girl wanted to slather me with with antibiotical, deceptical, whatever that stuff is. They, I mean, I've had enough stuff squirted on me to last me a lifetime. And she said, "I want to, you know, I got to squirt you." And I'm going, "I got squirted at the truck. I'm all right." And I, and then she just pumped it in my hand, and I looked at it, and I kind of wiped it. I know oh, she was upset with me. I can be hard to live with. I can be hard-headed. I can be stubborn. I can come to quick... I am fast at decision-making. Sometimes that's a positive thing. Sometimes that's a very negative thing. But you were never made to do it alone. And there may be times that you doubt it, but I'm a blessing in your life. And there's times I may doubt it, but you are a blessing in my life. And so... Fourthly, we want to introduce you to philosophy, the way of doing ministry. How are we going to do ministry as a church? What is the church here for? What are the things that drive her, that mold her? What are the things that should be valued in the church and the goals that we have? And so those are the four things that we are going to uh, move ahead on. being. A Christian is all about relationship. So the very first thing is that the foundation of our church is based on two solid relationships. The first and most important of these is your, uh, as an individual, is your personal relationship with Jesus. That's where it all begins. That's, that's the starting point. You really can't go, it's, it's, it's like, you know, do not pass go, do not collect $200 until you pass this point. You cannot move ahead in any way in the church life, in your life, in totality without Jesus. There is an emptiness without him, and he is the beginning place. Secondly, is our relationship as a church family. So Jesus comes first. It's upon that foundation. Sometimes uh, when you're building, you do these things called footings, and you put footings down. And footings actually go below the foundation. We call this foundational phase, but in reality, in truth, uh, below the foundation is this thing called the footing, and the footing is about twice as wide as the wall that you're going to build on it, usually about 12 inches deep. It's on compacted gravel, and and, and it is a hunk of concrete that's poured that everything else comes up for. What happens, Ivan, if your footing is bad or crooked or not level, what happens to your wall? Yeah, it's it's just not gonna make it, it's gonna fall over on you, it's gonna crack, it's gonna leak, it's not it's not so this thing of Jesus is the thing you've gotta get nailed down first. You have to understand who he is, what he wants to do in your life, his relationship to you, what he demands from you. Those are important things. And everything else builds on that, comes up from that as, uh, as you move along. And so we want to help you get that firm. And then we want to understand how do we work together as this thing called the church? How do we function together? How do we, how do we work together in unity as a body? Well, the first thing we're going to look at, ver- Verity number one, is committed to the Master. And uh, this is how to establish a personal relationship with Jesus, the Master. Scripture in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 11, let's give a little context to that. So the very first passage we're in, 1 Corinthians 3, 3, Bible should be moving, fingers should be scrolling. That's where we're going to be functioning this morning. And he looks at the immaturity of a church. Now, the Corinthian church was the most immature church. I mean, they had things upside down and backwards. They had this thing, and we learn in chapter 3, that it was kind of like who you followed in the church. And there was a status thing going on in the church. I follow Paul. No, I, pa- I follow Apollos. No, I follow somebody else. I'm really spiritual. I only follow Jesus. And so they had this thing going on who was following who and then we see in from verses 5 to 9 and Paul kind of goes like well who's Paul, who's Apollos I mean in the big scheme of things who is Apollos and what is Paul's servants whom you believe even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one I planted Apollos watered And God was causing the growth. Mark was, like, banging that nail a few weeks ago. Did an amazing job on that, Mark. 1 Corinthians 11. Everybody in the church has a place and a a skill and gifting that God has given you. And what he's called our church to do, the gifts are here, or will show up shortly, to do what he's calling us to do in ministry. And so... They were going on about Paul, Apollos. Paul makes it clear. God is the one who causes the growth, verse 8. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. This one purpose. I'm not trying to accomplish something watering that the planter didn't want to see happen. See how that folds together? And um, and uh, he says, We receive a reward according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, agriculture, what he's planning, and then he shifts the metaphor on you. God's building. And he takes off in this building metaphor. He says this according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation. Paul says, everything I've taught you, everything I want from you, have given to you, is built on a foundation. What's that foundation? And another is building on it, but each man must be careful how he builds on it, or the wall will crack, or fall, or go over. For because no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid. There's only one foundation to build your life on. There's only one truth to build your life on, one person, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation. I speak to people all the time whose lives are falling apart, whose lives are in disarray. And you follow it back, and it's either they have never laid a foundation of life with Jesus... Or they started on the right footing, but started to build a crooked wall. A wall that did not line up with how God described to build the wall of their life. I remember being your guys' ages and beginning to take, I mean, laying block is, I mean, you think you can correct it. You're a little bit out today. And I'll just put more dope on this side. And I'll put another block here. And I'll straighten it up. Before you know it, you're so out of whack, you can never straighten it. Or it feels like you can never straighten it up again. Now we put a new window in yesterday. And I was a sixteenth out on the sill. That's the bottom board that you put the window on. And my son's gone like, it's just not lining up. There's something in the trim work here. And it's like, ah, Dad, you were out a sixteenth of an inch down here. I never thought that would affect the trimming, Mark. A sixteenth, like, you look at that over two for thirty-six inches, and you go, a sixteenth of an inch. Like, who's going to notice a sixteenth of an inch, just like we think in our lives? Who's that sin that I did, that that outburst of temper that I had, that that little thing that you don't think is going to affect you at all comes back and bites you in the new nowhere. And you go, how did that happen? How did that take place? I never thought that I would be where I am. Do you know how many times I have heard that in my office? If you'd have said to me 10 years ago, that I would be sitting in your office with what's happening in my life right now, I would never have believed. I have a really good friend, and uh, we used to go fishing uh, every October, Thanksgiving weekend, and I we actually have two friends. He's 10 years older, I have a friend five years older, and then myself. 42-inch pike, Arlen. This boy caught a beautiful fish this week, 24-inch walleye. Did Dad clean it well? Did he get the y bone out so he didn't choke on it? it? Oh, okay. You didn't keep it. it It's too big. The government. We love them. But anyway, 42-inch pike like this thing just. I thought it had a log until he got his eye up. He saw think he blinked at me, or winked at me, or something and all of a sudden, he took off, and, uh, remember on the way back in the car, our friend of ours had left his wife, and got himself a girlfriend, and done some really stupid things, and I remember my friend saying, I could never... I could never do that to my boys. I could never do that to my wife. I just could never do that. Inside of ten years. One choice. At a time. Little choices. Not big choices. He was living with a girl. Who had left his wife. Left his boys. the saddest things in my life. To watch him destroy his Life brings it out very clearly that you don't have to be out very much, very far, in very big increments before you can get to where you totally never thought you would ever get in your life. Part of what we're doing is working on how do I build that wall? How do I move forward? And so we see that there's one foundation. That foundation is Jesus, and you can go forward a bit more in 1 Corinthians 3. And uh, verse 13. Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Sounds like Jesus teaching, doesn't it? Jesus had a whole section on that. Each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Put your finger there. Go back to Malachi chapter 3. So, 1 Corinthians 3, cross-reference that with Malachi chapter 3. It's one of many passages that talk about God's work as a refining fire. Behold, look. I am going to send my messenger. This is a prophecy of the coming Jesus, the coming Messiah. And he will clear the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says Yahweh of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire. Fire has such a quality to refine. Sometimes we put things in a fire to burn off the outside. A lot of guys that get copper wire and want to save copper, they'll burn it first. And then all the plastic and paper and stuff burns away and you're left with the metal. When you have metals and you're refining metals, you smelt it, you heat it, you use fire on it. And all the impurities come to the top, you skim that off so that what is pure... And so God's refinement in your life, his fire-like quality that works in you to get rid of all of the things that he wants to get out of your life is, is described in this refiner's fire. The song we used to sing, refiner's fire. My heart's one desire is to be holy. That'd be a good song, Nathan. That kind of thing. Well, Malachi talks about that fire. So this fire, this relationship on Jesus and Jesus alone is the basis of where we are going. Acts 4, 32 to 35 shows us this first community. And you go, you know, sometimes we think the early church had it all together. I mean, they had, they had things messed up too. They really did. And they had their fusses and fights. Some of them couldn't work together. Some of them didn't like to work together. Some of them went home because they got in a huff. Like they, It was not perfect. And if we think that we need to get back to the early church for things to be perfect, we're a little off base. But in Acts 4, 32 to 35, all the believers were one in heart. That means they're going in the same direction. We've talked about this before. I mean, we may disagree on how to get to Toronto, but we got to go that way to get to, well, we should go that way to get to Toronto. Some of you are going to go by the 401. Some of you are going to go on Highway 7. That's a mistake, I tell you. Some of you are going to go, you know, maybe down to the lake shore and come up to Toronto or along the lake shore. But we all agree where we're going on. I mean, and as the church, as we come together, as we follow Jesus at least we need to know where we're going. We're going to have disagreement on how to get there. Honestly. My brother Nathan the other night started singing some country gospel thing. I just was not sure what was wrong with him. But I had maybe a fever or something. It was, we may not agree on what songs we're going to sing. We may not agree on the length of our prayers. We may not agree on what color to paint the walls of the building, and that's probably the least important of anything. But we need to agree on the foundation, which is Jesus. That's where the agreement needs to take place. So the believers were of one heart and mind, one way of thinking, one one persuasion. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. The things of this world were passing away. Their hold was passing. Isn't that a hard hold to break? Isn't that a hard hold to stay out of? Ever got on a track in the middle of a snowy road and there's like six or eight inches of snow and ice? And you're in a trap, And it's just, and you ever try to get out of that track? Well, that's a picture of the world and the things of this world. This world wants to draw us in. It wants to build on your foundation differently. It wants you to think differently about God and his goodness. What is the very first thing that happened to Eve? Has God said that? The implication in the next few verses is that God was holding out on them. There was something better out there than God knew about it. And God was keeping them away from a better life than what they were experiencing. Doubt in God. But these guys had gotten their head together. And they, they were losing the draw and the pull of this earth. And the things on this earth. With great power the apostles continually testified. To the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace, much blessing, much forgiveness was upon them all. And the church should be a place of forgiveness, of blessing, a place where you can make mistakes and you know that 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 if you make a mistake that you are loved and that the people will come around you and help you get back out of the rut and onto the new place. And that they're not going to be talking about you or looking down their nose at you. You can't, you don't do that to people you love. Um, Our our grandson was over last night, and and uh, his dad and his grandpa he he went to go on a swing, and the first thing he knew, he was going up on the swing, and the next thing, he kind of tumbled right over and was under the swing, and it it looked a bit funny. And I got to admit, I laughed a bit. The women there didn't see it that way. There's this child rolling off of a swing onto a deck near the edge where he could have bounced off into the pond. Now that would have not been good. I agree with that. Whoop! that doesn't hold, does it? We have to love one another to a point where I am as concerned about your walk with Jesus as you are concerned about my walk with Jesus. When I see you building off kilter a little bit, I I'm not mad at you. I'm not angry at you. I don't think that you should do But ba- I come along and I help you correct that. You come along, you help me correct that. When, when, when the waitress was slathering me up and I was getting a little antsy, Nathan just smiles. And he's got such a calm way about it. I love the way he brings the temperature down and makes you look at yourself and go, and kind of laugh at yourself sometimes and go, ah, I, shouldn't be, I shouldn't get that cranked about this. That's a gift. That's a spiritual gift. Some of you have that. Some of you have the spiritual gift of gasoline. You want to pour gasoline onto things? I, I, love, I love gasoline. It makes cars go well. But, but if you put it on a fire, you get that whoosh and singed eyebrows. It's not a good thing. It can be very destructive. Some people are like that in the church and they destroy like, so, like That's just not a good attitude to have. Do you get it? The church is important. Our attitudes are important. This passage is talking about some amazing things. So from time to time, those who own lands sold them, or houses they sold them, and they brought the money to the sa- of the sale and put it at the feet of the apostles, that means they let go of the control of their things ever met people like that, they give you stuff and they still want control over it I, I can be a little bit like that, because I can say, I give something to one of my kids and I'll say, here you can have this, but if you ever get rid of it, it comes back, I mean if you're going to sell it on eBay it's coming back here have I let control of it no, not really. I haven't let control of it go. And some of us are like that with God. God wants to do things in our lives. He wants to put some, maybe some boundaries or some limitations. And he says, no, this isn't good for you. This is not helpful for you. And and yet we want to push those limits. We don't want to give him control where we take the hands off the wheel. I remember teaching... Our kids how to drive. <laughs> and you kind of have your hand on the wheel a little bit, and they get their, their first little bit of a feel, and, and there's this hesitancy. Do, do you ever know that there's not a brake on this side of the car? When our kids were driving, I was hitting the brake all the time. like if they were. I don't know if that happened to your dad, Terry. I, I can imagine, maybe. But, I mean, you just kind of put your... You don't want to be out of control, and yet God one of these paradoxes of faith where i have to put my faith and my trust in him and let go of the control of my life let go of the control of the church you know i've met people like that they feel that they're needed to protect the church and have control in the church that somehow that, that that if they weren't doing their thing it would all fall apart I once had a boss said to me, do you know how much you'd be missed around here if you left tomorrow? He says, put your finger in a glass of water, pull it out, and see the size of a hole that's left. God does not need you to fix things for him. He needs us to walk in obedience. That's what he needs us to do. Well, these guys distributed as they had needed. I think we've talked before about this. Is this is this a description or a prescription? I think, you know, as I get older I wonder if there's not a little bit of both in it. I've always said it was describing, not prescribing. But as I read scripture I wonder if God is not calling us to walk away from some things. And maybe this is an area that the church needs to revisit is our hearts of compassion, losing the sense of ownership of our lives and our stuff. And I've told you before, I said I don't know what this fascination with stuff is. But but sometimes my wife and Rebecca will go out yard sailing and we get stuff that other people had and figured out that stuff wasn't worth having and they put it at the side of the road. They convince other people to buy that stuff for like a nickel on the dollar and then we bring that stuff to our house. It sits a year and a half to two years and then it's at the end of our driveway being sold again and we get so enamored with stuff. And we think that the things that we have are so important to us and so needful. And what did Jesus say? Food and clothing. In fact, even to the clothing part or the place you're going to lay your head, trust God because he takes care of sparrows and flowers. And he can take care of you and he will take care next week starting on the foundation the foundation is built on the footing and the footing is Jesus Christ and we're going to look some things about who Jesus is as the master we are going to look at um, what we are to do to have some strong foundations in our life we're going to look a little bit at families a little bit at relationships and uh, at a successful living and a hope for eternity. And so we're going to begin building on this foundation. And each week, I mean, it's important that you come each week, not miss three weeks and back a week and miss four weeks and back a week. Because it's, it's like, a, like, I don't know, Bruce, would you want a guy doing brain surgery on you that skipped half the classes? No, I, I think that would be kind of important, one day. So, I mean, you are going to be doing spiritual surgery in people's lives, in your own life as well, and you are important to this body that you know the way, the truth, and the life that you know Jesus and how to commit to him. And so, we need to be here. We need to be growing together, learning together so we're on the same page, following Jesus in the same direction. Father, we give thanks to you, for you are amazing. Your gifts are ever-changing to fit the need and the time that we are in. Your blessings are unparalleled. And most of all, you gave us Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, the true foundation, the one that we can put our trust in. And so today, Father, we come to you and I would say that if you have not followed Jesus, if you have not made that kind of commitment in your heart to make him the foundation of all things, there's no better day than today. And so, Father, we look to you. I thank you for the blessings. Father, you have met the needs of people in this church, this church itself. We put everything at your feet, our future, our present. We lay our past there. For without you, where would we be? And so this week, speak to our hearts. Warn us when we are trying to take control. Touch our minds when we wrestle for for what we are going to put into our life and would we hear your still small voice saying child here is the way walk ye in it and we will surrender ourselves to you and we trust you for you are the great and holy one cornerstone of all that we are and all that we have we build on you.